From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Among the feelings you may have during the pandemic is the feeling of loneliness. After all, we've been maintaining social distancing and isolating in our homes for weeks now. Speaking with me about the issue of loneliness is Brian Amidon. He's a licensed clinical social worker from Inclusive Health Services at Upstate. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Brian. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So even before the pandemic, there was concern about the levels of loneliness in America. Has this pandemic and the quarantines made that worse? Um, yeah, and I'd like to kind of, you know, preface that. Um, social isolation and loneliness um, have been an unfortunate reality for many people prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, even though it was not highly publicized. In fact, um, this debilitating condition lacked appropriate recognition and awareness in our society. Um, it wasn't until the severity of this pandemic um, that um, and the extreme measures of social distancing that have been implemented in the US and globally, you know, to preserve um, to preserve human lives, that social isolation and loneliness has been thrust into the spotlight. So do you think we have more people now dealing with loneliness than we did before? Um, yeah, most definitely. Let's talk about what's, what's the definition or the difference between loneliness and social isolation? Because I wonder... Is it possible to be socially isolated but not lonely? Of course. Um, you know, um, and so a couple of differences, you know, social isolation is a state of complete or near complete lack of contact between an individual and society. Um, loneliness often includes um, depressed and anxious feelings about a lack of meaningful connection or communication with other beings, both in the present and extending into the future. Um, loneliness often causes people to feel empty, alone, and unwanted. Um, and another interesting um, you know, social isolation has similar characteristics in both temporary instances and for those with a historical lifelong isolation cycle. Um, and so in both the temporary and chronic or prolonged isolation, the, char the characteristics are similar. Where they differ is the severity of the potential lifelong consequences as a result of chronic and or prolonged social isolation. So what we're going through with the pandemic could have lasting effects. Um, yes, that, that it can, you know, and for, for some people, it very well may have lasting effects that may turn into chronic conditions. Um, for others, maybe not so much. Um, and, you know, so, social isolation alone 
does not constitute loneliness. Um, some people are, some people are actually, I, I've, some of my patients, um, it's been kind of um, surprising to me how some of my patients with like social anxiety disorders and or um, trauma histories, um, now that they have to, you know, they have to social distance, which um, I kind of like to use the, the, the words physical distancing um, instead of social distancing because, um, you know, social interactions are necessary to instill a sense of comfort and belonging as well as to help people feel empowered and resilient. So can you get enough socializing through WebEx, webinars or telephone um, or texting? Can you, can you supplement or get what you need from socializing that way if we can't be in person? Um, yeah, there, there are, um, you know, there are, there are a lot of things that, um, that people can do um, to still feel connected, even if it's, um, even if we're not able to come together physically. Well, let's talk about the concrete health risks that are associated with loneliness. Are there manifestations in your body from, if you're suffering from loneliness? Um, yeah, so common reactions to um, to social isolation um, include uh, restlessness, agitation, um, sleep disturbance, anxiety, anger, boredom, irritability, loneliness. Um, Suicidality um, is your person's at a much higher risk for, you know, suicidality, um, among others. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Brian Amadon. He's a licensed clinical social worker from Upstate's Inclusive Health Services, and we're talking about uh, loneliness and isolation. So, what type of person? is most vulnerable to loneliness? Do you see a skew in terms of age or gender? Or is there a type that is more vulnerable? Well, um, pre, pre-COVID-19, um, I'll just share a few, um, a few statistics with you. Um, so again, like this, this is, from the data and research before this pandemic, um, where 17% of adults age 65 and older um, are more likely to be isolated and lonely. Um, 35% of, um, of adults age 45 and older report feeling lonely. 
um, 26% increased risk of early death due to subjective feelings of loneliness. And 46% of women age 75 and older live alone. So there's, you know, that's kind of a, a small snapshot of before this pandemic. Um, so, you know, but social isolation and loneliness can be an issue for individuals of any age. Um, so as far as who is at most risk, um, you know, the, the going off of the, the pre-pandemic um, numbers, those, those are going to be impacted, you know, exponentially. Um, but, um, you know, social, the, the elderly, people with chronic diseases, people with limited natural support, um, people with lower income and limited resources, um, those living alone, and those with a prior history of a mental health condition or substance use um, addictions are all more vulnerable to loneliness. So are there warning signs for loneliness that we should be aware of within ourselves? Um, yeah, some warning signs, you know, that people can look for are, um, you know, having, having um, excess fear and worry about your own health, and you know the health of your loved ones um changes in sleeping or eating patterns difficulty sleeping and or concentrating worsening of chronic health problems um worsening of you know one's emotional mental health and well-being um and increased um increased use of alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, and other substances that, you know, that it's, it, it's a, it activates the, the, you know, pleasure sensing parts of our brain. Um, and one thing that analogy that I often use with people is, you know, a hug, a hug and a drug um, both give you the same, they both activate the same area of the brain. And, oh. um, you know, that's where dopamine and serotonin may come from. Interesting. Well, do you have recommendations for how we can combat loneliness during this time? Um, yeah, um, I think that, you know, it's, it, it's important to make sure that, um, it's important to make sure that people are taking breaks from watching, reading, or listening to news stories, including the social media sites. Um, you know, hearing about the pandemic continuously back to back can be very upsetting and unsettling. Um, taking care of your body and mind um, 
utilizing self-soothing strategies. Um, some maybe examples are like uh, deep breathing, guided imagery, meditation, simple stretching, um, exercising, um, trying to eat well-balanced, healthy meals, um, getting plenty of sleep, um, avoiding alcohol or drugs. It's important to use um, other, as you identified earlier, non-physical ways to connect with family and friends, like sending a letter, you know? I mean, this in, in today's day and age, that seems like uh, so long ago, you know, of actually getting, uh, writing out a letter and mailing it. Um, but that um, using the, um, phone, you know, simple phone calls, um, video calls, um, social media, anything that allows you to connect with others that gives you a sense of meaningful connection. Do you um, think that the people that are, I mean, cause I know people that are more, they're introverted. Are they having an easier time of this because they're a little more comfortable sort of being on their own quietly reading a book um, than others maybe? Yeah. And, um, and, you know, even, you know, it, it's interesting because I, it, it can go, it, it's, it's always, it's individually based, you know, you can't, um, you can't, it's not like a cookie cutter format of like, if somebody's more introverted, then you're not going to get lonely during this, um, during this pandemic. Um, but they are, they're more likely to be able to cope because they don't, they already have routines and things that they do on their own that don't always include interacting with others. Um, you know, other, other really good um, ways to really cope with this, um, you know, exercising in or around the home or your yard, sitting outside um, or working outside, you know, it, People have the means to do that um, because as little as 10 minutes of uh, time spent outside increases that serotonin and dopamine in the brain that gives us that sense of pleasure and happiness. Um, and I think it's really important for so many of us that had routines that have been disrupted um, trying to adopt a new schedule, you know, having a regular schedule of activities, creating structure and purpose, um, you know, that when one's usual routine is disrupt, disrupted, adopting a new one can be reassuring. And um, studies show that predictable routines actually lower um, levels of anxiety. Do you think that this period in our history is going to leave a permanent mark on our nation's psyche? Um, I, um, I can't see how it would not. Um, so for, for sure. Yeah. Um, 
you know, our society is in an unprecedented transition, unlike anything any of us have ever experienced before. Um, you know, a, even at this point, it's unknown how much longer um, physical distancing will be recommended. Um, I think that for some people, the loneliness will turn into chronic conditions. Um, however, like in the midst of in the midst of the adversity of this pandemic, um, I hope that we will see the true nature of resiliency throughout the majority of our communities and the nation as a whole. Well, thank you so much to licensed clinical social worker Brian Amadon from Upstate's Inclusive Health Services. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.